Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Lipman, joined as always by my good friends, Emily Cannell, Dan Volpone. Dan, back from sunny Chicago. Dan, what was it that you were up to in Chicago and how was it? Oh, I was visiting my friend from my friend Jack from undergrad. Uh, he lives there. It was a very nice time besides the weather was awful, but the weather was awful here too. So I didn't feel like I was missing out on too much. Uh, but yeah, it was a nice time. We actually, uh, you know, Jack had a lot planned and, you know, we went to go see the bean and on our way to see the bean, we found there's this sign for this bar called taco pub. And we were like taco pub. This like two great things in one place. That sounds amazing. So like we had to go and we went and it was really good. And then we, realized when we were there that they had two other locations in two different parts of the city. Uh, so we had already been to one and we we're like, well, we have to go to the other two now. So in the, the three full days I was in the city of Chicago, I went to three different taco pubs in three different areas of the city. And was there something that you would get uh, specifically at these taco pubs? Tacos and margaritas. Wow. Can I ask you something? And Emily, we'll get you to you in a minute. Am I a freak for occasionally yes. liking sugar on the rim of my margarita? I think that's fine. Emily? No, that's the only way I drink. Well, not really. <laughs> not the only way I drink margaritas. That is a lie, but it is my preferred way to drink a margarita. Okay. Because I think I mean, we're I in the minority. Salt, but... But I don't know. I like it's not a big deal to me either way. Like sometimes I'll get salt on there and I will like barely even use the salt. I'll just drink it. It's a little salty for me. Yeah. Um, Emily, when last we spoke, um, Will Smith had uh, smacked Chris Rock on stage. You broke we the having, news. We were having a hard time figuring out what was going on or if it was real or not with uh, a full week now. Uh, that incident in the rear view. I imagine you've done some reading about it. So have I, I've, I've talked to both gentlemen uh, in the incident. Um, do you have any, uh, anything to share about your feelings on this uh, thing that happened and, and any, any hot takes about, about what happened uh, since we last talked? 
Mm, not particularly. I feel like it is come seems to be more of a complex issue than just a, a smack. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not interested in getting involved in it, honestly. <laughs> That's great. So That's great. yeah, it uh, certainly a lot going on and we wish everyone well. Um, and if anybody would like to hash it out on here, uh, Will is from Philadelphia. Chris is a friend. They can come on whenever they want. Um, great. We are moving on. The podcast is going. The Sixers played this week. They had uh, four games. They lost to Milwaukee by only a few uh, in a game that really didn't bother me all that much. They played really well, but it, I really wanted them to win it. Um, then they played a real fucking stinker. They lost to Detroit. Um, and then they beat Charlotte and Cleveland in a back-to-back. The Cleveland game was just today. We're recording this on Sunday. Um, so where do we start? I guess we'll start with today's game. They beat Cleveland. Um, the first quarter was, was not good. It was one of those, uh, quarters where I looked at the update on my phone after the first quarter, uh, from ESPN. And it was like end of the first quarter, the Sixers are, I think down. And it was like, it gave me the high score of the quarter for the Sixers. And it was George Niang with five points. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why is this, why, why is this happening? Um, but Embiid was incredible. He had 44 and 17. Harden had 21 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, but struggled from the field. Um, they shot a bunch of free throws, and uh, the Cavs coach, J.B. Bickerstaff, was crying about it. He said, uh, we deserve to win that game. That game was taken from us. We deserved to win it. Who uh, was might- it that was like, I might, I'm sorry, like, was this like, we won that game, like, pretended like the final score that was Donovan Mitchell. That yeah, this is Mitchell. what it reminds me of. That we that actually won Donovan the game. Mitchell. Yes, that would be from last year, Donovan Mitchell, uh, when he thought there were some bad calls. He said, in my opinion, yes. we won that game <laughs> when the final score dictated that they lost that game. Um, one of my favorite all-time quotes was when Donovan Mitchell said, <laughs> in my opinion, we won that game. Uh, just tremendous. Uh, future sixer Donovan Mitchell who uh the Jazz are really playing poorly um so Sixers won this game they won both halves of this back-to-back uh so let's talk about the wins maybe and then the losses or, or however you want to do it um Emily your thoughts on this win over Cleveland who's a good team um who should not be on the Sixers level but um you know they could match up we'll talk about the standings a bit later um any thoughts from this game or maybe the the Charlotte game which was yesterday uh, anything you have here? Um, mostly just that Joel was incredible tonight. Um, I know that it's Cleveland, but they're a good team. Um, he just has been incredible all season, like another 40 point game. He has 11 of them this season, like, or if he has 40 points and 10 rebounds, he has 11 of those, which is crazy. Like, I don't know. That's like one every seven or eight games, basically. Mm-hmm. Like that's, crazy um I saw a stat that like only two other players have done that in the modern era both of them have won MVP so maybe we Mm. should just give him the fucking award um and I honestly just think that I mean Joel put the team on his back at the end of this game and it was like we're not gonna lose this stupid game and he made them win it and he is at least to this any team he is 
is the most valuable player to the Sixers compared to like any other player to their team. So if that's how we're looking at the award, he also should win it. Um, yeah, great on Joel. I didn't watch a game yesterday. I was painting my house, so I listened to it on the radio. Painting your house. What a sentence. That's very exciting. What yeah. color? Um, it's called unusual gray. Um, that's nice. So then the, that's what color the first floor is. <clears throat> yeah, we're painting. The whole family was in town. It was great. Wow. That's very, that's very fun. Uh, Dan, your thoughts on this game here against Cleveland. Uh, as Emily said, Joel really carried them in this one and gutted it out second night of a back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the main thought is he was phenomenal, um, especially, you know, the beginning of the fourth quarter was basically unstoppable for a good stretch there. Um, as he should be. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the things we see from Joel, you know, that we definitely saw tonight um, is, you know, this is a guy, and especially, you know, now that he's in better shape um, than he's ever been, like, I th- you know, Joel has been, I would argue, the most dominant defensive player in the playoffs over the past few seasons, just like consistently really, really good on defense, um, really anchors the team. Um, obviously now they have Harden who can support them a little bit on offense if you want to have Joel step it up on defense but you also have you know like I said Joel in better shape and Joel was you know yes he had 44 and 17 you know this was his best effort on the boards in a while Um, he had 44 points I think that's you know speaks for itself was was so dominant on offense and defensively I think he had four blocks and three steals and, and was more active than he's been in and was dominating on that end too, you know, more so than he has most of the year. And I think this is one of the games that reminds you of, you know, how much better he can even be in the playoffs. Um, you know, because again, in the regular season, he's not going to bring it like that on both ends every night. We don't want to get hurt, but he is in better shape. And this is the kind of game that shows you, you know, he can do it all and he will be doing it all in the playoffs. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't shoot the ball well at all and they still beat a pretty solid team. I mean, without, without Allen and without Mobley, they're like fine. I think even with them, they're, you know, fine, but you know, this is a team who's, you know, likely going to be a playoff team in the East, um, although they'll be in the play-in and um, that's a good win. So I thought it was an enjoyable game. It was fun. The Sixers went down, came back and, um, and, and played hard and had a, had a good, you know, I thought a really good second half and, um, it was it was a lot of fun. I, I you know the highlight of the game, like I said, is Joel and and Joel did it all, which was you know it's always fun to see him do that. And yesterday was a uh, close game against Charlotte for the first half, and then the Sixers just beat the shit out of them for the second half. Made every shot. I missed um, it. I was at Taco Pub. You were at multiple, um, and uh, you know Harden was uh, he really decided to just distribute really he moved the ball a ton he had 12 assists uh Tobias was very good in that game and it can transition a little bit into a uh a a separate topic a little bit into like Harden being aggressive as a scorer versus him really focusing on finding his teammates and I don't know that there's like a right answer for this like what 
what is the right method. And I, I think it kind of might have to be a night to night thing against Detroit. Harden was really bad. Um, especially in the second, the second half, I think he had 14 in the first half and four in the second half. And he just fell in love with the ISO thing in the second half and the shots weren't going in and he wasn't finding guys and he was turning the ball over and they just, they played like shit against Detroit and they slept on them and Detroit was playing well. And, and, um, and they switched everything on those pick and rolls. And it was just really an ugly game that the Sixers got out hustled and outplayed and it was really bad. Um, and the ball stopped moving. And a lot of that I think was hard and, 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 you know, it got really ugly. So on nights like that, it makes you feel like, okay, they need to move the ball more and he needs to stop doing that thing. But on the other hand, I think like for years, we've had nobody who can get their own shot. We've had nobody who, when playoff defenses are trying, like can actually score the ball for themselves. So like, part of me is like, part of trading for James Harden means that you hand him the ball and when they're doubling in the post, you tell him to go ahead and do his thing and like go and get a shot. Now he has to actually be good at that. And like lately he has been struggling and, and you need him to figure it out, but like you're asking him to do it. And like, you know, so I don't need him to be like, uh, you know, whoever, uh, point guard by committee guy like like we need him to be the hub of the offense um but I, but it's a balancing act that you know against Detroit it, it wasn't working and and he needs to figure it out but but it's still growing pains and the season's coming to an end so Emily do you have a preference on that and and obviously it stuck out a lot against Detroit and that that might just be one of those games where the Sixers thought that they could just sleepwalk through that game against a really terrible team and and they just ended up losing but um you know him being aggressive as a scorer versus trying to have 12 assists a night like you know do you have a preference well I, I agree with you that it needs to be a night-to-night thing like obviously if the guys are hot or making shots then yeah distribute the ball but if it's like the Detroit game where the bench had like two points in the first three quarters, then you need to score. And he needs to be smart enough to make that call, like to identify that priority and then like start scoring the ball. Like he does. I feel like you don't need to wait for doc rivers to tell you what to do because God knows what he'll tell you. So he has been playing basketball long enough that I think he should be able to identify when he needs to become a, distributor and when he needs to be able to initiate the offense and score. Dan, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I basically agree that this is something that like part of the, part of what's made him a great player is that he's had this feel. Um, and this is something that, you know, should come as he gets, you know, more familiar with the team. And it's why, you know, Daryl's stated belief that, you know, he is, he doesn't think it's a big deal to, you know, go into the season with who you're going to take into the playoffs. She doesn't think it's a big deal if that's your final roster or not is I think just ridiculous, um, but that's fine. Um, better late than never that we have James Harden. Um, but like, yeah, it, it matters. And, and it's the kind of thing that, you know, you see that, you know, sometimes they're not on the same page and he doesn't, you know, quite feel comfortable with, you know, when to do what, because he hasn't played that much with these guys. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, I trust him to figure it out. The biggest issue with me is the shot's not going down. 
and you know he's not shooting a good percentage at the rim but you know the the big the bigger issue before which i think it has been addressed um i think joel and doc both talked about it and it, it looked better tonight is the you know walk the ball up the court cross half court with you know 17 or 16 seconds um you know off a made basket and then you know dribble between your legs iso for like 10 seconds and then go force up a a shot and and you know griff for a foul that you're not going to get it it that's what it looks like when when they're not playing well and you saw you saw that you know they really made an effort uh you know at the start of the second half when things started to turn around tonight like you saw joel catching rebounds and not even looking to pass just like i'm going to get it across half court as fast as possible um you know you see they get it to maxi maxi's always fast over but even hardened tonight i thought um you know and and even there were some plays like i noticed like you know, it was off, you know, a contested rebound. And so then they had to like kick it over to Harden and it took a second. Um, but, you know, even when on the place, Harden didn't get over till there was, you know, 17 seconds, 16 seconds uh, on the shot clock because, you know, there was some pressure in the in the backcourt. It was still like an immediate, like Joel sets the screen and like Harden's getting downhill. There was no like, there, there was still some um, on, on certain possessions, but there was a lot less like, uh, okay, Joel says screen. I didn't like that. He's going to go set two more screens, and I won't see anything I like. And then I'm going to go force something. It's like I'm going to go. I'm going to use this screen, and then I'm either going to look back to Joel or I'm going to kick it. Uh, or you know, if no one picks me up, he, he made a couple of floaters tonight. Um, still not shooting a good percentage really anywhere. Um, I know that his free throws have kind of made up for that in true shooting, um, but on the games he doesn't get calls, that has been frustrating. Um, but no, I, I think the the big th I, th I I trust him to figure that out um to figure out when to do what and the big thing for me was you know too much time spent doing nothing um because honestly a complaint I had was like you know back when Ben was was our main ball hander it was like we have so much time where the guy who has the ball has the ball in his hands in a place where he can't score with the ball like you know Ben's playing on the perimeter and can't make a shot from there um and it's too there was there's has been too much of like Harden just kind of dribbling around, not looking to score. Like you should be using the shot clock. You know, if you, you have to be looking to score, like at every point you're in the shot clock, like it, it, it then you have, if a play doesn't work, you can try something else. If it, you're, you're hurting yourself, you're getting yourself worse shots by, you know, taking all that time. And so um, I was happy to see that that was addressed pretty quickly. Um, and it's looking better, you know, at its, at its worst, it can still look bad, but it's, it's looking better. So I don't know what happened this week, but to take you back to um, February, Tim Bontemps at ESPN. Oh, well, I guess we can, uh, outside of the Detroit game, there was the, uh, there was a Buck game, Bucks game. Um, you know, this was a, a, a Good, close game. Harden was really good in this game. I was really happy with Harden's performance in this. He was scoring really efficiently from basically everywhere. He was killing Chris Middleton when uh, Middleton was covering him. Um, they just got very little con contributions from basically anywhere else. Um, Harden and Embiid did. Um, and then down the stretch, they just couldn't make enough plays. Um you know, Giannis was very good. I don't, I don't know if you guys have anything else. This was, you know, basically a week ago for the listener. Um, 
do you guys have anything on on the Bucks game at this point? Uh, you know, it was a while ago now for them. I mean, Joel, you know, complained his minutes weren't matched to Giannis, so that might be something yes. to see if they match up in the playoffs. But um, oh, I mean, Paul Millsap was on the court yeah. and got demolished by Giannis, and that was basically the game. I mean, that's the kind of game where you can't play the old guys, especially. I mean, they've been bad no matter yeah. what, but you really can't play them then. Doc's gonna play them anyway. I don't know. Yeah. It was it was a it was a close game. The Sixers were down big, then they went up big, then they blew that. Like not big, double digits, not big. Um, but I I don't know. I think that's the kind of game this kind of year that this time of year that I just don't really care about. Like I'm uh, whatever. You know, like it was a bummer. I was pissed they lost just because I get into the games at the time, but like when the playoffs come, it'll be another close game. The starters will be on more. Um, this, I thought the Sixers starters were much better. So, um, you know, it's uh, it is what it is, and I think it'd be a really fun seven game series. But that's really all I got. It did lose them the tiebreaker, you know, for standing, which might be a good thing, honestly. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Emily, anything on that on that Bucks game? Um, at the time, the Bucks game was endlessly frustrating to me um it paired with this new thing we're about to talk about where joel is no longer the mvp front runner back to back like really really broke me in the beginning of the week there's a 90 second voice memo that i had to pull into a like gas station to record and send to Jordy because i had so many thoughts and i was so angry on my way to work um and i just was like screaming in my car to myself and i was like i need to just tell someone this but he was asleep so i had to do a voice memo i think um, we might need that we i don't i think it Patreon. i think they delete they delete there it's in the ether i referred to the corpse of paul mills at multiple times in it though um <laughs> but i've gotten over it at this point i am still mad about the final call on the block or the goaltending that is still very frustrating to me because the Sixers would have had a chance had the ref not made the wrong call but Plus they messed the it clock is. up after too and they had like it the clock they did the, I don't understand I mean the, it's probably in the rules but the rules are stupid like why is the jump ball at center court like it doesn't well, it should have just been out of bounds it wasn't even, yeah. even if it wasn't going to be out of bounds right like the the play then becomes dead at the, the block. Like, fine, it's, that screws the Sixers. But at least then you should reset the time to the time of the original goaltend call, not when the ball went out of bounds because you're not playing the ball from out of bounds. The Sixers should have had time to get a shot off, and they did not because so, they put the wrong time on the clock. It was very frustrating. Um, I was at the game, so it was very frustrating being there because there was a lot of, like, you know, tension in the air and excitement in the air and everyone was standing up. And it's one of those things that's just like entirely deflating when you're there in person. So, um, but yeah, like now in hindsight, coming off two wins, like it's fine. I have calmed down. Speaking of deflating in mid February, Tim Bontemps uh, did a straw poll where he uh, basically polls 100 media members to participate in an informal poll that mimics the postseason awards voting. Then he basically asks them uh, who should win the MVP award. Uh, And at that time, Embiid had 45 first place votes to Jokic's, Nikola Jokic's 43 and 789 total points to Jokic's 754. This week, 
things have changed uh, as, uh, what was it, Monday. Uh, Jokic sprinted past Embiid. He overtook him for first pace, first place with 62 first place votes to Embiid's 29 and yeah. 860 and 860 total points to Embiid's 719. Like a blowout in that so straw poll. It makes me so mad. And, you know, uh, all four years that um, Bontemps have, has done that poll, the winner of the final straw poll has won the award. Uh, all of the betting sites have followed suit since the, uh, Dan, you would know this better than I do, but that that's basically the status of it now is that Jokic is now the. And Embiid was a huge, Embiid was like minus 220 uh, going into that article being published, which, which means basically you would have to bet $220 on Embiid just to profit a hundred. Um, and now Jokic is, is like minus 280. Um, meaning like th- there wouldn't be, you know, multiple players that minus. Like Embiid is now plus, you, you can now bet 100 on Embiid to win like $250 or something like that, as opposed to having to bet 280 just to win 100 um, or whatever, whatever, 220 to win 100. Um, and Jokic is basically a bigger favorite than Embiid even was going into that poll being published. So there's no point in talking about like who should win MVP because we all know how we feel. We, we, we feel that Embiid should be the MVP pretty undisputably. The, the real interesting thing for me in this bullshit is what happened. Because if you look at it, all these guys have played the way that they play. Like Embiid has, like his numbers are fairly Jokic has been worse. I mean, Jokic is coming off a stretch where he's been a minus like in more games than not for the past couple of weeks. Like. Right. I mean, Drew Hanlon, who we've always loved, in Philadelphia has um, been been on a crusade for his guy Embiid um, talking about some of the uh, negative Jokic stuff but but if you just look at his counting stats they're they're basically on par with with what he's been doing Um, the only thing that I can think of is that within this period of time uh, the Sixers have acquired James Harden and Jokic has continued to not have any sort of star level running me you know like Michael Porter Jr. is still out and um, Jamal Murray is still out and they have kept pace with basically their win total you know where they were at so now I mean the Sixers are, are still where they're at within the East and, and all of that. And um, Harden has been up and down, but he is, he is a great player. And they basically, you know, if that's the only thing, then they basically penalized Embiid uh, for that. Um, I think that it really matters that you're a great, legitimately great defender as a center all the time, which he is, uh, which Jokic is not. Um, well, and but part of the issue is that these the people who think that Nikola Jokic and and this is not a person I'm making up, 
people think Nikola Jokic is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Like, no one has ever had a season this good. This is a better prime Michael, better than prime Michael Jordan season. These are these are things people think. Okay, this is not, I'm not making up a person here. This is basically because whatever, the, the, the people who don't, I'm just going to be rude, whatever. The people don't understand, and I don't, I'm not saying I do, but I at least understand where to put them in context. The advanced metrics that are available become synonymous with analytics to people who don't really know what they're talking about. Now, I don't know anything about NBA analytics because the only people who really do are either working for third-party sites or front offices that sell this information for a lot of money, right? There's a reason that this information is very profitable and goes for a lot of money and is not available to the public. Teams wouldn't pay for that if PER was really good or if like Raptor was really good. And so any stat that's even worth anything becomes private anyway. And we're left with these all, like all these awful stats and all of these people who like are like, I'm not saying there's not anyone who's, who's good at like, um, you know, explaining or working with these, but for the most part, the people who are, are already hired by teams or these third-party companies. So we're left with basically the leftover stats and the leftover stat nerds who the stats and the stat nerds were not of interest to the teams or the third-party companies. And that's what leads the discourse of these advanced metrics. And they're stupid and they're just not good enough. Like if teams really used them and they were useful, they wouldn't be free. And if, and if they were as useful as the people who, you know, push them say they are, then these people, you know, that, that interpret them for all of us would be working somewhere where they get paid money, like with a statistics degree to like talk about these instead of like, if you know who like Andy Bailey is on Twitter, we'll just like average a bunch of nonsense and and call that like analytics and it's not it just isn't and i'm not saying i understand what it is but it's it's not that it's not that's not what teams use that's not what the the smartest of smart people in basketball consider valuable at all and if you look at these the reason i bring this up you know at this point you said is those numbers have nicole jokic as like the second best defender in the nba this season now no one can we just watch it, it, and, and I'm not saying he's like the worst defender in the league. He, he, I think, was pretty close at one point. He's nowhere near that now. But like, it's just kind of silly. And even like if, you, if you've watched Embiid at some of the end of games this year um, and just look how he can flip that. Like there's value at the end of games, you know, to be able to flip that switch. And, and um, you know, that kind of points to who he is as a player more than anything that, you know, he can really turn this on. He can really you know, become this defender in the moments that are most important. Um, I'm not saying Jokic has made big defensive plays down the stretch. He's had some big blocks at the end of games. He's, like, fine, but he's not nearly on Embiid's level, and he's definitely not the second-best defender in the NBA. And and really, like, even people who, who you know, um, champion some of these metrics that I think are generally dumb um, will tell you that de- on the defensive end of the floor, they're, they're mostly not useful at all um, because there's – there's been articles written about it. Like it's basically a problem that these don't measure defense well at all. And so, you know, it just goes to show that someone claiming that Nikola Jokic is this good of a defender and, and using these stats to do it really don't know what these, what these metrics mean at all. And you can look up what a lot of them are and they're not really sensical. Like they're just averaging together, like, you know, points, rebounds and assists in some way with, you know, there's some square roots thrown in there. And, 
I mean, I don't know why it came up, why, how, you know, how someone came up with that, but it just because that's what, you know, some equation is doesn't make it particularly helpful. So uh, do you think the Harden thing is basically how we got here? No, um, I, I know I don't, honestly. Um, I, I think, you know, it would have helped if the Sixers could have grabbed the one seed with Harden. Um, but you could spin that narrative either way, right? You could say, oh, Harden came in and he's taking away you know, some of the shots, but, you know, he's a former MVP and, and, you know, you know, they were playing so well before that they're basically on the same pace, which is, you know, near the top of the East. That's how Joel had him playing. You know, you could make that, someone make that case for Jokic if Murray came back. You could spin this stuff either way. Basically the narrative went Jokic's way. Um, you could argue a lot of reasons what that's about, but it's more about narrative than anything. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's the, the Jokic weirdos winning by the end of the year. It's, um, the media loves Jokic. They just, they just do. Um, the, the, you know, the, the Markeith Morris thing didn't stick to him at all. Um, Unbelievable. Really stuck to another player. And that's not necessarily relevant to the MVP thing. It's just like the media really does love Nicole Jokic and their whatever about Joel Embiid. And, you know, I think that that midway through the season straw poll was, you know, they were probably pretty people who voted Embiid and and didn't want to were probably pretty comfortable doing so, knowing that it's you know midway through the year and I'm just going to change it anyway if they're if they're still close because not really not much has changed and if he asked the same people then yeah I mean I I, I think that I think that it was always basically going to go to Jokic and and that's just seems to be how it is in the league and that you know I'm trying just not to think too much about it it's very upsetting because you know. Joel Embiid is a big part of my, you know, sports fandom um, in the, like my whole life, like my favorite athlete. And, you know, I, I kind of think that this is crap. I think we've seen, you know, the, the goalpost shifting over and over and over again. Um, and, you know, as soon as, you know, we, what we, the, the, the argument for Jokic in the first half of the season was how great his plus minus was, you know, his on off splits. And then they've, you know, been bad and it doesn't matter. Um, and no one sees his losses. So his highlights get posted. The losses get overlooked because no one watches their games. Um, I don't know. The media loves the guy. And uh, yeah, I think it sucks. I'm not saying it's like, I'm not saying Jokic isn't like deserving or anything, but like he just won last year in a normal year. That's kind of a knock on a guy when you won the year before. Um, if it's close, usually they'll kind of go to the other guy. Um, and I you know, that just didn't seem like it was going to happen because, um, you know, part of it, maybe the Nuggets aren't contenders this year. Part of it is maybe a lot of the Jokic fans aren't even Nuggets fans. Um, and so for a lot of Jokic supporters, this is basically their championship this year. And they're like, they have nothing else to play for. Their guys aren't playing. And they're like, we're going to go campaign like a bunch of sickos for Jokic to win MVP again and pretend he's not appreciated after he won last year. I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a bunch of crap. The Nuggets are like very far under 500 against teams that are over 500. Um, and on a normal year, that would matter. Um, apparently that doesn't matter this year. Uh, nothing seems to matter. It, like I said, it's just goalpost shifting. Um, and it's, you know, you, you see the actual, like, you know, I'm, I don't know exactly who votes, but the media in general, like companies who people, you know, companies where, you know, their top NBA, um, you know, reporters to have votes, um, uh, you know, these, these media outlets will be, 
you know, that you see the goalpost shifting from them too. It's just kind of like whatever best suits Jokic's narrative has seemed to become most important all of a sudden. Um, I think it's a huge bummer, but it, whatever. Hopefully we have a good playoff run and that would be, that'd be more important. Emily, Emily, um, why do you think it happened? And is it basically over? Um, you know, there's four games left. Um, what do you think? Um, I don't want to say in my head, I know it's basically over, but I don't want to say it in my heart. I just want it to not be. I think there is a possibility if the Nuggets end up in the play-in game. I think that would be a really, I mean, they're, the T-Wolves are in the playing game right now and they're two games back. Like the Nuggets could lose, the T-Wolves could win. It's a possibility. And I think that's not a good look if your MVP comes from a team that is in the fucking play-in game. So I think, I think that is like, it just, it sounds terrible coming out of my mouth being like, that is Joel's best chance because Joel has been putting his best chance on the court like night in and night out he's like the fucking leading scorer in the nba right now like the fact that this person is not leading for mvp is hilarious like what like and i think that if Jokic wins this mvp this will people will look back on this and it'll be like when westbrook got his stupid triple double mvp even though he wasn't the best player in the league just because people were like wow, like triple doubles, that's, you averaged one, that's a really cool thing. Um, And then they'll be like, why the fuck did we vote for this guy for MVP? Like that he was not the best player in the league. And I think that this will, like looking back, that people will say the same thing about this because the season that Joel is having is unlike anything that people have seen yet, we're just like ignoring it. And I think it's bullshit basically. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, at this point, we can really root for the T-Wolves. Uh, I, I do think it would be pre- pretty ugly if they're in the play-in game and, and the MVP is there, you know. And the good thing, well, the good thing is, is that we do, because Dan was saying that, like, we don't, whoever votes, he doesn't know who votes, but this shit gets released, <laughs> And I can see who everyone who voted voted yeah. for one, two, and three. So I none of them are invited on the podcast ever, just so they know. It's true. Um, Joel is really going for it. You know, Joel's doing a lot of press right now. Um, so he's he it's very clear that Joel, it means something to Joel to win this award, which I find very endearing. You know, he Joel did a a uh, profile with Sam Amick he did one with Chris Maddox he did James Corden show when he was out in LA he did um JJ Reddick's podcast so you know Joel is doing press right now uh as he tries to pursue the award so uh it, it makes me very sad that uh despite in my opinion him having what I think is the best season and him being what I, I define as literally the most valuable player to their team, um, it does seem like he's not going to get it. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to update you on the standings here um, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, talk to Drew about that. 
and uh, see where we want the Sixers to land. Talk about ever so briefly, uh, Ben Simmons uh, filing his grievance finally. Uh, congrats to Don Staley and predict the final week of regular season action. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're back. Welcoming in the one and only Drew Peltzman. Ladies and gentlemen, put in some applause right here. There's Drew. There You're we just go. making me do Making more work. Some extra work. <laughs> there he is. And well, here's a cat you have sound. To put applause, so. And here is a dog. And there is a tiger. All right. Now, here's true. Okay. So <laughs> the top four teams in the standings that everyone knows about played today. So Miami beat the Raptors. And what that means is Miami's pretty much gonna be confirmed the one seed they have a pretty easy schedule so unless they blow that they'll be the one seed okay celtics play today they won by a lot by like 42 against the wizards they're probably going to be the two seed i think they play the bucks one more time Hmm. they're only a half game up over the bucks and the us and the sixers so the Bucks hold the tiebreaker over us, which we talked about. And then um, the five and six is the Bulls and Toronto. So depending on we where we land and where Toronto and Chicago land, that's going to be the matchup. So if we're four and right now Chicago is five, we would play them. But if we flip-flop with Milwaukee, then we would play Toronto. So we kind of want to stay the four seed as long as the Bulls uh, stay the five seed, if that makes sense. Interesting. So it's seeming like three, three or four, basically. Yeah, I doubt we're going to end up being two unless the Celtics like lose most of their games. Right. So then, and then it's... Uh, the play-in right now is the Nets and the Cavs. Nets, Cavs, the Hawks, and the Hornets. Um, the Raptors have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Cavs, so that play-in is almost set um, with, like, four games left. So um, we really don't got to worry about the play-in, but – if um we're not in the plan yeah we don't got to worry about the plan but if we clinch tonight but whoever whoever ends up being the eight seed if we're the four seed we might have to play them in the second round so if the nets end up the eight seed after the play-in play the miami heat we're gonna have to play the winner of that series in the second round if we're if we are the four seed which is what we are right now so one question i have for the panel here 
is are we afraid of Toronto at all? With one question or one caveat here being there was whispers this week somewhat about one or two Sixers being unvaccinated and thus not being able to play in Toronto. Um, it's my understanding that these Sixers are not particularly important, that these Sixers are not guys that play all that often. Um, Keith had an article recently, Keith Pompey, you know, he, he did write that Matisse is vaccinated and would be able to play. Um, I think anybody that it would be, you know, Doc was fucking weird about it. Doc was like, you know, at the beginning of the year, he was like, everybody's vaccinated. Like it's, it's like one or two guys. Don't worry about it. We're doing great. And now all of a sudden he's being like, hey, I don't want to talk about it. Maybe so, Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan aren't vaccinated. I, I absolutely think that would be great. I think they <laughs> should do their own research. Um, I, uh, so I don't know. I, you know, obviously I think it's weird, uh, a little weird to speculate on anything because we don't even really have any clues on anything like that. Like, I don't think any of them are posting weird shit on Instagram or anything. So mm-hmm. we don't have any idea. We'll find out probably on Thursday when they go to, or actually maybe we won't because they might dilute it with like, you know, ankle sprain and and also Joel's not playing and also uh, Harden's not playing, you know, who knows. But um, also Toronto as a team is a tough team and they generally give Joel some trouble just with how smart Nick Nurse is. Like, so, you know, all of those things combined, Emily, are you, you know, would you rather avoid playing Toronto or are they just not really a team that you're worried about? Um, I mean, out of Toronto and Chicago, I'm more worried about Toronto, but I'm not like overly worried about them, but I would rather play, play the Bulls. And is there a seed that you want or, or that you particularly don't want? Um, I mean, I'm good with it. It all depends on like who we play, right? Like I, I like where we are now, if it means we play the four or five and we play the Bulls and then we win, we play the winner of whatever Miami and whoever it's also weird because you never know like it's one game so like the play-in games like right now it's Charlotte and Brooklyn but like they could lose Brooklyn could lose like they lost to the Hawks tonight even though Kevin Durant had 55 points so like they could yeah it's one game yeah and they're looking less scary a little bit i mean Kyrie's in a big slump um he's you know as he's had to play every single game he's looked a little less good um so uh so who knows uh dan any thoughts on the toronto stuff and any uh seed in particular that you want uh it's hard to say what seed i want just because everything is so weird right now i can tell you that you know i mean i i guess you know like emily said i'm not afraid of Toronto I think we'd we'd probably win that series and it'd probably be a pain in the ass I'd obviously rather play Chicago I think Chicago and Cleveland are both gonna be lucky to win a game in the playoffs um I think they stink so yeah mm-hmm. um the two teams I least want to play would be the Celtics and the Nets uh, it's a bummer because I think they're both really good and they're probably the two teams I want to see lose the most um so I would think I would like to only have to play one of them, which would mean not playing either till the conference finals. Um, 
so one way that'd be possible is if you know Miami's the one, the Sixers are the four, the Nets grab the seven, which right now they're a game back of even having a chance to grab the seven because they're not even going to be in a seven eight game, and you know Boston stays the two, so that you know the um, seven two Celtics and Nets play each other in the first round, and the Sixers couldn't face either until the conference finals. Um, I think that would be ideal. The least ideal would probably be Celtics stay the two, Sixers jump up to the three, and then uh, the net uh, doesn't. It's just any any way you have to play both of those, I think is is worst case scenario. Not to say anything bad about the Bucks who just beat us and are the defending champions. I'm not. They just honestly scare me a little less, um, just because the Nets can get so hot and they have something to prove against us. And the Celtics killed us last time we played us, and they've been killing everyone. Um, they're probably looking like you know they might be the team to be in the East right now. So um, yeah, putting those two off would be good. But the Brooklyn thing is so interesting because um, you know, like you said, I mean, teams just lose games in general. Um, right now, it'd be Charlotte, Brooklyn for the nine ten. Um, Brooklyn have to win two straight games, which is not a, a gimme even against you know that level of team. Brooklyn's been that level of team this year. Um, and then you know, if Atlanta were if if something weird happened and like Charlotte jumped Atlanta and Brooklyn stayed in the nine, 10 game. And then you have like an Atlanta Brooklyn game, which is just a rematch of, of, of last night. And, you know, Trey young can get really hot. He's the kind of guy who can get really hot. So um, yeah, I mean, Brooklyn's probably going to make the playoffs, but it's, especially if they stay in the nine, 10, it's really not a guarantee. And that would be interesting and make the East look a lot less daunting. Um, especially if, you know, you have the Celtics and Bucks going against each other in that three, four, like then one of them is knocking out the other one too. And you'll play whoever emerges from that in the conference finals. If you can get past the heat, and I'd rather play the heat than either of those. And the yeah. Nets, right. So like mm-hmm. Chicago of, of, you know, I'd rather play Chicago or Cleveland or something like that in the first round. And of all the reasonable teams in the second round, I'd pick Miami. Um, right. And at that point you deal with who's left. So I, I, I don't really mind the four, but it's too early to say what seed I want. Cause I don't know where everyone else is going to end up. Yeah. We'll see how it, how it shakes out there. Um, this will probably be a quick one. Ben Simmons has officially – shout out to Kyle Newbeck, who was really early on this, but uh, had this really early. Uh, ben Simmons has officially filed his grievance against the Sixers. He wants to recoup his $20 million that he lost. They fined him for not playing for the team. Um, I, I – this – I really – have no more energy to care about this stuff. Um, good luck. I, you know, if I had to pick one, I would pick that he doesn't get his $20 million back just because, um, you know, I'm also not a Josh Harris guy, but also I, you know, I guess I, I would like that money to go to charity somewhere, <laughs> you know, I, you know, not, not back into Harris's pocket, but not to Simmons. I, you know, that's, but that's you were not, hoping he would donate it to Tom Cotton's campaign. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's it. Um, so I don't, uh, I don't have much. I'm, I'm all out on Ben Simmons, Philadelphia financial intricacies. That's it. I got nothing. Dan, anything? This Good. is not something I have to care about. God bless. Emily, no, you want to go ahead. No, I just think he's going to lose. So, yeah, oh, I, I can't. The Hold league on. does not want Ben to like walk out of Philadelphia with a duffel bag of $20 million after never playing for them. There's no yeah. way. <laughs> um, 
Don Staley should have been the Sixers coach. I don't know. You know, they didn't interview her. I, I do think she withdrew her name uh, from consideration. I don't know if that was preemptive uh, because they weren't necessarily going to interview her, but she's really cool. Tyler Tynes interviewed her uh, a few months ago and that was a great interview, but uh, you know, South Carolina just won. Um, congrats to her. Doesn't need the Sixers job. She's too busy winning national championships. So. No, I mean it's only because <laughs> it's a job for life. Why would you would go be. to this? Why would you go take a Sixers job yeah. where you'll get fired after three years, like every other coach does? She's Literally, great. just to benefit us, <laughs> it, yeah. the Sixers would be so much better off. Yes. But no, she's doing just fine. Um, but uh, yeah, she's the best. So uh, good on her. So Emily, this is it. Uh, Give us a standings update as we head into the final week of the regular season. So we all got like a little wild this week and it didn't pay off for really anyone Uh um, because we sucked at picking games. So me and Steve both went one and three um, because we both said they would beat Milwaukee and Detroit. I said they'd beat Cleveland. You said they'd beat Charlotte. So we got those right. Dan said they'd go four and oh. So he went two and two. So he picked a game up on us, but the I'm way coming back, I mean, the way the current standings are, I am in the lead at 49 and 30, then Steve at 48 and 31, and then Dan at 44 and 35. So you could, you Wait, could catch Steve theoretically. I could Wait, tie so give me the games. Give me the games back. So you're one game back from me and Dan is four games back from you. So yeah, you could tie. So you should, you guys should just pick completely opposite and see if one of you can yeah, go. Yeah, Steve picks now. first, and I'm gonna pick the opposite. <laughs> Wait, but can Dan catch you? No. No. Okay. So I think that Emily has to go first, and okay. then me, and then Dan. Okay. So tell tell us the games. Oh, sorry. Yeah. All right. The games are at Indiana, at Toronto, and then a back to back. Indiana, and then Detroit at home. Um, at Indiana, at Toronto, and then a back-to-back to end the season, Indiana and Detroit at home. Hmm. Okay. What are you going to do here? I'm going to say... They lose at Indiana. Pacers are not good, but you know what it is. I just don't think they're going to go for now. So, and then they're going to beat Toronto. And that, so they're going to go one and three. They're going to lose their next game and then three wins to finish the season. Three and one. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't like it. I, I don't know. Now, Dan, Dan, I think, is just on autopilot here because he's just going to say the opposite of what I'm going to say. Uh-huh. That's right. Go <laughs> good okay. about that. All right. But remember, then, Steve, if you pick one game different from Emily, you can tie. If you pick two different, you could win. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And if you guys tie, then really, neither you of you don't win, win automatically. That's I not don't how win, this works. I won last year, and neither of you will have won either year. So I'll still have the most wins. <laughs> Okay, so I'm, I'm obviously not going for a tie here. <laughs> I'm going for a lose. That's really what I'm going for. All right, so the Sixers are going to win against Indiana. Uh, or at, at Indiana, that's, that's for sure. 
They're going to lose at Toronto. They are going to win at Indiana uh, in uh, home oh. against <laughs> against Indiana, and they're going to lose their last game of the season. Their last the game Pistons. of the season with seating all tied up. Everybody will rest. Center rotation will just be DeAndre and Paul with nothing to play for. So that's two differences, right? That's three differences. All right, great. So you're going to take a commanding lead. We'll see. So, Dan. Right. So I'm going to say they win in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. They win in Toronto. They lose at home against the Pacers because they're going to rest their guys in the front half of the back-to-back to start the season. And then they get their revenge and win against the Pistons on the last game of the season. Go, they want to go into the playoffs on a, on a high note. Yeah. Wait, so you think they're going to lose the first at Indiana game? No, Steve I think thought they were going to win it. No, Steve said, I thought Steve said they were going to lose that game. No. Oh, no. So no. Steve had them going two and two. Yeah. Win, loss, okay. win, loss. No, so they're going to lose the first Indiana game. Yeah, they are. So I have them going two and two with the other one. Yes. But whatever Steve put, give me the other. Opposite. Got it. Yeah. Got it. We'll see how this shakes out. All right. Well, this is it. Next weekend, uh, we will be talking about a playoff series, unless the Sixers get the first or second seed, when we'll have to wait for the play-in. So we'll see. But uh, failing that, we'll be getting ready for a playoff matchup. Uh, this is it. Last week of the regular season. Woo. Thank you, Drew. Um, uh, follow Gastro Blues Pod, uh, the YouTube, which we know about, um, Gastro Blues, uh, Sixers Podcast, Third and Girl, um, DA Pelts 13, Steve J. Lipman. Be safe and be great. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Welcome back, Dan. Welcome back, Steve. Uh, good seeing everybody. I've-